0: Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belisle, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. Today, I have with me in the studio, Miranda Rico, who is the media director for More Women Surf. Thanks for coming in today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Lisa. So I'm interested in More Women Surf because it's an organization that seems to have evolved over time. It seems like it was initially Maine women. Surf, yes. And you've now broadened out the the mission by starting with a title, actually. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, so originally Maine Women's Surf sort of began as the brainchild of one of our co-founders, Pamela Chavez, and her, along with our other co-founder, Britt Dahlberg, um, sort of took this idea of an inclusive, um, Main centered space for female surfers and uh, quickly realized that it sort of needed to span um, sort of a demographic that is larger than Maine. And so thus, Maine women Surf was sort of reinvented to become more women surf. Um, so as not to, you know, pigeonhole ourselves into not being able to reach a broader audience just simply because of the title.
0: My understanding is it's, it's people who identify as women. And it's people who are, um, you're trying to be very inclusive, sort of across the board, not just Maine and elsewhere, but also really anybody who would like to be part of this um, organization.
1: Yes, yes, that is correct. Um, And, you know, so when we were first sort of figuring out how this SURF Coalition Collective uh, was going to look like, our demographic was Uh, Women and anyone that identified as a woman or any non-binary folk that wanted to be a part of this collective. Um, And we quickly realized that although our target audience was women and specifically women of color, um, just because of the historical marginalization of that particular group, um, we then decided to Take a look back and say, okay, you know, we are trying to reach this target audience, but can we reach more people? And are there more groups that need um, access to these safe spaces that we are essentially putting into place? Um, So it originated as reaching women, reaching women of color. And then we took a look at okay, let's look at the black indigenous people of color demographic as a whole and not necessarily just women. Let's look at the refugee demographic, not necessarily just women. Um, and even recently we've been having a lot of conversations of, you know, what is, what is, uh, the allies place in all of this? And so even just over the course of the last six months, we've sort of been changing our language, um, so that, Even, you know, if it's a cis white male, but who's supportive and wants to be a part and support the mission, we are absolutely not turning anyone down um, simply because of their gender or expression. As long as they help us continue to cultivate the safe space that we are creating, everyone is welcome.
0: And how are people finding you? How are people learning about your organization and the work that you're doing? Originally, I think it was
1: social media. um, And I know that that still plays a large role. Um, Instagram, of course, you know, creates such a wide access point for advertising and everything like that. Um, But as time has gone on, we've realized that it's become a lot more word of mouth. um, And we also host um, meetups where members of the community can come together and actually meet each other face to face. And so a lot of it has become through community building um, activities and things like that. And um, it was actually funny. So today is National Donut Day, if you do not know. And um, my mom texted me this morning and asked if I could pick up Hi Fi Donuts. And so I called in my order. um, And I was on my way in from a surf lesson this morning. And I was like, Hey, do you mind if I pay uh, over the phone? Because I'm going to be coming in my wetsuit. And she was like, Oh, did you just get out of the water? I said, Yeah, I surfed this morning. And She said, Are you with that group, More Women Surf? And I was like, Actually, I am. That's so funny. And so I think, you know, it's really cool to see how wide the reach has become um, just over the course of the last year. And I think it's even bigger than any of us sort of realize. but that reach is growing and that bodes well for us being able to access and reach our target audiences more and more. What kind of donuts did you get? I did dealer's choice and I let them pick a dozen donuts. So um, I'm actually not sure I dropped it off at my family's and I hope, hope they're happy with the choices. <laughs> you have a large family that you come from. Yes, I do. I am the oldest of six kids, um, which you know saying out loud i think i've become a little bit jaded to the number 6 and i'm like oh it's not that much but you know to kind of the average joe if you will that's kind of a lot of kids um and so i think um yeah people are usually like oh my god that's crazy but to me it's just it's normal that's life and it's a lot of fun i definitely wouldn't have had it any other way and um i think like my siblings uh contributed largely to a lot of like who i am and sort of like my natural uh leadership tendencies. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's
0: never, there's never a dull moment at the house. (laughs) So one of the reasons why I'm, uh, I'm interested in the large family aspect, as you probably know, I'm the oldest of 10 children. And so for our family, um, growing up in, in the the suburb of Portland that we grew up in Yarmouth, I know you grew up in North Yarmouth. It was a little unusual. I think once you get above four, let's just say as a random number, Um, And it does, it creates a really interesting dynamic. And there is, you called a leadership, I think at some point in my experience, it was more like herding. I don't know if it was leading so much. (laughs) Yes. But um, do your brothers and sisters get out on the water? They don't get
1: out on the water a ton, and they've been bugging me for, like, the past few seasons now. They're like, please take me out surfing. Please take me out surfing. And so I've promised a lot of my siblings that I would take them out this year. And I think that there is a certain skill set that you need to be able to actually teach someone how to surf. Um, You know, you can sort of give them a board and give them the general idea and be like, good luck. But then it's an entirely different experience to actually be able to explain, like, you know, this is the physics of a wave and this is, um, you know, like, this is what you want to watch out for. This is what you want to be mindful of. And so in my experience with more women surf over the last year, with all of our surf clinics that we've given, I have been in the water taking photos, um, of these lessons. And so it's sort of afforded me the experience and the knowledge to feel comfortable taking someone out surfing, um, and actually, excuse me, sort of teaching someone,
0: um, how to surf, which has been fun. And sometimes being a a teacher of someone in your own family can be a little more challenging than trying to be a teacher or someone not in your own family. Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, I think with, you know, the comfortability, especially of being in a loud family as all bigger families, I think tend to be, you know, um, people are quick to talk back, which can kind of be a fun dynamic sometimes. <laughs> but I think also as the oldest sibling, especially towards my younger siblings, I'm sort of like a And, you know, it's, it's all jokes. I've sort of become like a third parent almost. And so I think that there is a certain amount of respect that I've certain, like just kind of commandeered without even meaning to just based on my rank. And I certainly don't try to abuse that anymore. I think I used to when I was younger and I would get, you know, you're so bossy and all that fun stuff. But
0: yeah. It's fun. Do you think that the leadership that you engaged in in your family helped you feel more confident as far as joining a new or new-ish organization and being the media director and trying to get the word out and trying to bring something to fruition that hadn't really existed the same way previously?
1: You know, I would say that those leadership skills definitely uh, translate and follow through and sort of what I'm now doing with More Women Surf. I think, you know, initially when I joined, I had heard of More Women Surf on Instagram and I was really intrigued because, uh, to my knowledge, there was not this type of organization, um, specifically catered to women in underrepresented communities, um, in Maine. And so I was sort of, you know, nervous to, I ordered a t-shirt, um, from them and I went to go pick it up and I met Pam, one of the co-founders. And she was like, Hey, you're, um, you're Miranda Rico. Like you're, you're that photographer. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. And so she was like, I I have a job for you if if you want. And so that was sort of the inception. And I think since then, I have worn a lot of different hats just because we're so new in the organization that it's sort of that we're still trying to really define all of our roles. And so recently um, we landed on the role for me of media director. But, you know, alongside that, I'm still helping out wherever I can. I'm still helping out with events um, and with lessons. And um, what's really cool about our organization is that our board is um, essentially a working board. And so we don't necessarily have any chairs in our board with specific, you know, hats or seats necessarily. And um, our board and our staff sort of just pitches in wherever needs to have help. So I think in, you know, going back to your original question, I think being in the mix of six siblings, almost, you know, my entire life has definitely allowed me to be uh, a team player and also a leader where it needs to be. But, um, I think also, you know, being told, especially when I was younger, you know, Hey, don't be bossy. Don't be bossy. Don't be bossy. Like that also really resonated with me. So yeah, definitely bringing over a lot of, um, Big family dynamics into the more women surf organization,
0: which is nice. Well, I find in our family one of the nice things about a big family is that it kind of it diffuses the energy. So, and I think you still have somewhat youngish kids in in your household in your parents' household. Yes, my all of my brothers and sisters are now grown up. But what's really nice is that. We've come to a place where, you know, if we have a disagreement, if a couple of us over here don't exactly get along, then we just let it cool off. We go talk to a different sibling over here. Yes, <laughs> And so uh, I think that that actually is a really nice thing that not everybody who um, maybe just grows up in a two-sibling household has the advantage of, you know, that you're always kind of continually with each other. For sure. And, you know,
1: I think... Um, also, in a big family, you tend to get a lot of different personalities. And you know, I look at myself and my siblings, and I think you know, no two of us are alike in that regard. And I think that's also an invaluable skill to be able to translate over to real life, is being able to deal with people from all walks of life and all types of different personalities. Um, and I see that a lot with more women surf, um, as I mentioned before sort of our target demographic is marginalized communities. So the BIPOC community, the LGBTQ plus community, the refugee community. Um, And a lot of the time in those groups and in those settings, you get people that are maybe a little bit timid or a little bit shy to join a new space that they don't know is safe yet. And so I think that all of us have tried to do a lot of work and, you know, discussing just, okay, how do we reach these people that we want to be reaching? But how do we do it in a way that isn't going to intimidate them and isn't going to give us the sort of savior complex? And we have realized in sort of that regard and with those concerns that the way to do that, and it seems so obvious, but is to just let people be themselves and come around on their own time um, and respect, you know, different beliefs and different opinions. And I think being able to hold space for so many different younger siblings who are all very opinionated and who are all growing up, you know, sort of in different or not even necessarily growing up in different ways because we have the same parents, but everyone, you know, starts to have new experiences and new interests and everything like that. So I think that's yet another skill of being in a big family that has really helped with my work in More Women Serve.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I actually think you probably hit it when you first said growing up in different ways. I mean, I know that I grew up in a different way than, you know, the 10th child in the family grew right. up. Oh, yes. No, my par- my <laughs> parents sure. were different. They were There was a different context. In fact, we have different generations within our family. Yes. So, I mean, it, I mean, it is a completely different sort of um, response to the world around you because the world has really changed oh, from sure. the beginning to the end of the family. So that's also really valuable is that you actually hang out with your brothers and sisters and they are representing um, people who are growing up in a different time and space. And then maybe that gives you a little bit of insight as to people that you're working with Yes, and more women surf. Yes, absolutely. And I see
1: such a huge, um, like cultural generational growth between even me and the sister right underneath me, who's four and a half years younger. And I think that there's a lot more, um, There's a lot better language nowadays, just, you know, and for lack of a better term for being politically correct, um, but then also for being able to hold space and using language as a, um, as a tool to be able to help marginalized communities feel safer. Um, And so, you know, especially when you get people who are in different races, races, genders, ethnicities, but socioeconomic backgrounds, um, all of that language comes into play. And I've actually learned so much from my younger siblings about, you know, Hey, this is sort of a dead term or we don't say this anymore. And, um, even though it's, you know, it's sort of hard to be able to keep up on my own with the terms that you should or should not say, or the language that you should use. And so it is really nice to have sort of a younger generation sounding board, um, not at my disposal, but for my use whenever I need it. And that's been really helpful too.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad you're able to learn from your younger brothers and sisters and, and not be irritated by them telling you what the right things are, <laughs> because I know that's not always um, easy for all of
1: us older siblings. Yes, I think that there was definitely a time where it would have bothered me, but I think once I just accepted that, you know, we come from slightly different generations and there's so much to be learned on both ends, I think that it becomes um, the information that you can learn from people who are younger than you and particularly your longer, younger siblings, if you let them is invaluable. So.
0: Growing up, um, in North Yarmouth and then going to Greeley, uh, was there a lot of support for people who wanted to go into photography as a profession?
1: I was definitely an outlier, I think in my grade. Um, I think about it now and there were only a handful of people who maybe even talked about going into the arts. Um, and you know, previously in my background. So I grew up dancing. Um, I had danced since from age eight up and through until college. Um, and so that was sort of my first real passion. I was like, I want to become a professional dancer and I want to go to school for dance and I want to dance in companies. And I sort of realized as time went on, I was like, you know, that this isn't necessarily super feasible or isn't not even necessarily, it isn't a smart career choice. Cause that was never really on my radar. But, um, I never wanted my passion to start to become like a chore. And I, I wondered if it would with dance. And so I discovered photography um, my freshman year of high school. And I really, really fell in love with it. And I was like, you know what? There's so many different components within the realm of photography that I was like, I don't think I'll ever get bored with it. And I don't think that, you know, it's like even if shooting weddings or sometimes portraits for me starts to feel like a job. I have other creative outlets within my passion that sort of allow me to be able to take little breaks and be able to take steps back when I need to. Um, And so there wasn't a ton of community support um, when making that career decision. Um, and again, I think that's sort of a generational thing. You know, I think that even just over the course of the last 10 years, the generations coming up have sort of changed the dialogue surrounding what it means to go into the arts as a career, uh, which is really, really cool to see, but it definitely was not always that way. Um, and I just feel really fortunate that I had the support of my family when making that decision and it definitely was the right decision. So
0: what type of photography do you like to do? Um,
1: So my passion lies in creative portraiture. So I love working with um, other artists. So I love working with dancers, with musicians, um, with even, you know, fellow photographers, um, sort of any small businesses or artists that are looking to get sort of like branding work um, done for them like that is the bread and butter of what I do. Um, And so when I fell into this opportunity with more Women surf, I knew that it would be right up my alley because it's me getting to utilize my creative lens through which to sort of showcase this collective. Um, And it's also afforded me so many cool opportunities that I may not have had otherwise. And so I'm, you know, I have waterproof housing for my camera and I'm in the water every single surf lesson. And um, yeah, it's been a, a really cool experience thus far.
0: I know that there are some surfers who will be out year round in Maine despite the yes. weather. Uh, is that more women surf, or, or is, are you a little more selective as far as the, the so- climate?
1: All of, or I I should say most of the staff members and also a lot of people in um, the community surf year round. Um, We do not host lessons in the winter for obvious reasons. It becomes a liability, it becomes dangerous. Um, So our surf clinics run from June through either August or September usually, Um, but then the rest of us will keep surfing year round. Um, And, you know, I enjoy surfing up through maybe December and then after that it gets really really cold and I'll still go out if there are going to be good waves but it's like I have to talk myself up it's a whole thing it's an ordeal it takes you know 15 minutes to get on your winter wetsuit and don't even get me started about getting out of it like it's a whole multiple hour excursion um and you know you have to think about things like safety and staying warm enough and It's not even necessarily when you're in the water, that's the danger. It's when you get out of the water and you have to quickly get dry, get to warmth. Um, so it's a whole different beast for sure. I definitely don't blame people who don't want to do that because it's just, yeah, it's a completely different world and it can be kind of scary for sure.
0: So what do you think the appeal is for those who are out there most days, even in the winter? So waves are definitely better
1: in Maine in the winter. Um, Maine is unique in that we get storm swell. Um, So all of our waves come from storms. Um, And in the winter and also in the fall, especially with hurricane season, we get a lot better swell. Um, And so the waves are definitely better in the winter is the appeal. Um, But also I think it's one of those things that sort of aligns with the hardened Mainer quality of life, uh, in Maine. And so I think people really enjoy the, the entire process of it. You know, it's sort of like hot yoga is kind of miserable if you break it down, but people do it for the experience
0: and it's, it's good for the soul. I think <laughs> as you're talking, I'm thinking about i would i don't think i would go surfing because that seems cold i don't think I, I don't really like the idea of hot yoga and yet i go running most days in the winter outside so i guess we yes. all have things that we're willing to do or maybe don't seem that fun to us but for some reason we engage in them whatever that reason is absolutely and i think that there is
1: a lot to be said for staying happy in the dark long winters in maine and so surfing for some, running for some, hot yoga for some. It's um, you know, it's survival a little bit at a certain point.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. I know that we've been surfing in Maine for quite a while. Certainly we don't have quite the same um, I think surf culture that other states do. But are you feeling that we are ever going to get to a place of I'll use the word saturation, I think, but maybe over, overutilization of beaches. Um, when I look at California, for example, and I know that my son surfs out there, it seems like they're very careful about kind of almost population management. Everybody's yes. very respectful of who's riding what wave when, and they're all kind of, there's, it seems like there's a hierarchy and who gets yes. to go out and who gets yep. to do this. Do you think we're going to be heading in that direction with the increased interest in the sport?
1: So I do think so. Um and I think we're sort of already heading in that direction. Um I think that summer of 2020 when people needed new outdoor activities to try, I think we saw a lot of new surfers in the lineup. Um and it is sort of the general opinion of the surfing public that um you know, they say like, "Oh, well, we don't want more people in the lineup because it's becoming oversaturated." And I think More Women Surf's viewpoint on that is quite the opposite, where we're trying to get anyone who wants to get into the lineup, we're trying to get them that access, but also the education that you need to be able to enter the lineup safely. I think a lot of people end up starting to surf and don't understand surf etiquette, don't understand board management, don't understand even just like what to look for in the wave conditions to make sure that you're going to be doing it safely. And so all of our surf clinics go through, um, you know, what to look for in a forecast, uh, board management, etiquette, safety, um, and essentially just we are hoping to be able to create very aware and educated surfers so that if the saturation does indeed happen, and I believe that we're headed in that direction, that we'll be able to do it in a safe way. Um, And I also think that historically, the groups of people that are saying, oh, our lineups are getting too saturated and have sort of like this territorial um, mindset on surfing tend to be, and I'm not going to make a generalization and say that this is for certain, but it does tend to be sort of the um, aggressive white male population. Um, and not always, for sure. But I think that that is also something that we are trying to change by getting um, different and underrepresented communities in the water so that we can have a more um, equal lineup and more equality in the lineup in general.
0: Yeah, that, so that's an interesting thing to think about is if you have, and, and if, whether it's white male or whether it's whoever it is that's out there, that's already out there, and they've already kind of created a culture that we, people who want to enter that culture have to understand, but also simultaneously think about trying to um, maybe even potentially change, which it sounds like more women surf is is respectful of the current culture, but also wanting to evolve the culture, which is a tricky balance, I would think. Yes,
1: yes, it definitely is, because, you know, we're not we are not trying to enter the lineup and say, oh, you know, we're here, everyone make way kind of thing. Um, we are definitely being respectful and mindful of our fellow surfers because at the end of the day, we're all in it for the same reason. We love being out on the water. We love surfing. It's it's a beautiful experience. And I think a lot of the time with the territorial mindset that comes into play, it's become this... Um, this, uh, sort of aggressive space and it definitely does not need to be that way. And so I think that by creating safe spaces and access where people who want to join the lineup can join the lineup, um, in a safe way that we're hoping to exactly like you said, change the lineup without, without leading with aggression or without leading with a know-it-all attitude. Cause we certainly don't know it all, um, And I think, you know, also just with our community meetups and the other events that we hold out of the water, it's giving people the space to be even in, you know, the lineup, if you will, but in a non-intimidating space. And so there's that community building, there's that camaraderie so that when you see that face again in the water, there's no immediate competition. It sort of diffuses all of the tension. And so, you know, with More Women Surf, we're trying to get more people in the lineup. We're trying to create wider access and more quality in the lineup. But also we are just giving, surfing is almost a tool that we use to give people those safe and equal spaces to exist in. So whether it be in the water or out of the water, um, community is our number one um, motive, essentially.
0: As you were talking about the number of people who started surfing in um, 2020 and people who kind of, there were a lot more people, uh, for example, out here running the trails on Cousins and Little John Island and there are a lot more people out walking and there were a lot more people out boating in Casco Bay, which I personally think is great. I think anytime we get anybody outside, I'm very supportive. I don't mind the crowds. It really doesn't bother me. Um, and also, in addition to the kind of cultural and um, community impact, we also just have to be aware of the ecological impact. Yes. That anytime you have more people on a trail, then you're you have to be aware of you know, tree roots and ground cover. And anytime you have set people on the water, you have to be aware of what's going into the water and how you yes. care for that ecological system because. I think it is a lot more delicate than we realize. So, with more women surf, is there an approach towards sort of ecological awareness that you've also taken on? So,
1: I do know that all of our board members and all of our staff members definitely lead with that ecological awareness. Um, and I do know that in Maine, there have been, with in Maine and also New Hampshire, um, there have been different. Groups um, that have led beach cleanups and things like that. And I know that that's definitely on our horizon and that that's something that's very important to us, um, definitely to host these kinds of events into the future. But we are all being very mindful of, you know, especially the resources that end up going back into the ocean and just being very aware of how that circle comes back for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting question, because I think some people will say, well, we want to be protective, so we we don't want as many people utilizing it. But at the same time, I think if you can cause people to care about the resource, then if you can utilize it in a way that is respectful and is more kind of nurturing and generative, then you probably are being more protective of the environment than if you just say, everybody stay away. Right. Right.
1: Yes. And I think that education definitely comes first. Um, and also a lot of our approaches um, as an organization tend towards very green and being very resourceful and, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. And actually all of our merch that we have made is all secondhand upcycled clothing Um, And we also take in a lot of used wetsuits, a lot of used boards that would otherwise be thrown out or put to, you know, other use. And so we're trying to be very mindful of all of those things because we do realize at the end of the day, we are bringing in a lot of people. And so how to manage um, certainly, yes, the crowds, but what can we be doing to
0: make a larger environmental impact as well? I believe your family is originally from Arizona. Yeah. How did how did your family end up in Maine?
1: Um, So it has been a lifelong dream of my mom's to live somewhere in New England. And so as she tells the story, she was so sick and tired of living in the desert and having to deal with 115 degree heat from May through October. And she was flipping through one of her um, one of her medical journals that comes in the mail every month. And as she describes it it sort of landed open on a advertisement of maine essentially like a tourism advertisement for maine and she was like there i want to go there and so within almost a month or two she had um called around at several of the hospitals and maine general in uh, augusta was hiring and she got the position and next thing you know we knew we were making plans to move all the way across the country so It really was sort of serendipitous and everything fell into place. And I, of course, was a freshman in high school and was so angry and kicking and screaming, but it ended up being um, definitely one of the best things to ever happen to me and to our family. So
0: this is actually really good for me to know. I mean, you know that I work with your mom. So of course, it's uh, it is interesting to think I hadn't really put together the idea that you were, you know you were a freshman in high school. You were old enough to kind of rebel against this notion. And yet she's like, no, I don't care. We're doing it anyway.
1: Yeah. Yep. And I think, you know, at a certain point it was for the greater good of our family. She also was like, you know, we needed to switch things up. Like we were falling into a pattern and life was not headed in the direction that I wanted it to, you know, she's like, I never envisioned us in Arizona as a family. And um, we had spent 13 years there. And so she was like, it was time for a change. And Um, she was willing to take the risk and which I really admire because I can only imagine, you know, how hard that would have been and, and how much it would have sucked seeing your freshman in high school be upset about that. So yeah, I think it, everything happens for a reason. And our move to Maine was definitely for a reason. So,
0: I mean, I should say to you, I think that your mother is, is a very bold woman and um, as a fellow female physician and also in a leadership role myself, it is not an easy thing that your mother is doing. Yeah. That um, and and sometimes I'm not sure that we always know, you know, what what our parents' professional lives are like. So I give your your parents, both of them, but particularly your mom, so much credit for being like, we're we're gonna be self determined here. We're actually gonna make this step. And not only that, but to uproot her entire professional career and kind of make this big change in a place that you know, she doesn't have any connections to. I mean, that's 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 pretty courageous.
1: It is. No, it definitely is. And I give my mom so much credit, more credit than she will even ever give herself. Um, and she really has like it it I'm speechless, just thinking about the amount of work and determination that she has put into, obviously, yes, her career, but the well-being of her family. And, you know, we were all actually homeschooled for, uh, I think, on and off for around a decade. Um, and so when we were homeschooled, my mom was homeschooling us full- time, but then also she was still working part-time night shifts um, at the hospital in Tucson. And so moving to Maine sort of afforded her this position where she was able to focus a little bit more on her career. And all of us went to excellent schools in Maine. Um, but her determination and relentlessness for you know doing what is best for the family above all else, um, it it didn't stop and it continued. And yeah, it never ceases to amaze me.
0: And I'm glad that you give me you give me the opportunity to actually reflect with you about your mom. Because I think sometimes um, when I think about creating safe space, I think about the space that, for example, my mother needed to create for me and for women of my generation and her mother needed to create for her and women of her generation. And the fact that we're actually not that far removed from a lot more people being really marginalized for a very long time. Oh, yes. And I mean, I love that you're doing more women surf. And I think that every successive group that comes along that kind of opens things up a little bit more, it's essentially because of people that have been doing this for us for many, many decades. And it wasn't that long ago that this started to shift. Yes. No, I absolutely agree. Um,
1: And you know, I consider myself very fortunate to have the mom that I have, but to have the grandmothers that I have and the aunts that I have. And everyone has paved the way and led by example. And I am very proud to come from such a wonderful lineage. Um, And, you know, I also think on my dad's side, my dad is from Mexico and came over to the United States when he was eight years old um, and seeing my abuela and how much she has had to pave the way for her family and her children to create a better life for them. Um, it's, It's really amazing what the strong and determined women of the past have done for us and what I will try to continue to in order to pay it forward. Um, And so, you know, eh, we touched upon earlier, just the language in which we talk about marginalized communities um, has evolved and changed so much, even just over the last decade. And it, it really is so beautiful to see. And, you know, I think with More Women Serve, it's it's tough sometimes because we may get frustrated at times that we're not reaching um, our ideal target audience. And so, you know, we're asking ourselves the questions like, how do we reach the refugee community? How do we reach the black indigenous people of color that are, you know, first generation coming to the United States? And I think that it can be a little bit discouraging at times when we're not reaching those groups, but at the end of the day, it's so important to take a step back and realize that we are still doing the work that we are set out to to be doing. Um, And even though it may not be exactly where we want it to be just yet, seeing the impact that we have made even in just the last year and a half has been something quite amazing. And so we're really excited to continue to strive to be able to reach these marginalized communities. Um, But, you know, it starts with us and it starts with the communities that we already know and it starts with allies. And it's been really amazing to see so many strong female and non-binary and male folks really coming out of the woodwork to make this happen alongside us. Um, And so, you know, it started with previous generations of strong folks and it's going to continue with, you know, people who want to make waves and make change. And, um, it's really awesome to see. I feel very lucky to be involved in this community.
0: Yeah. And, and you know what, you do raise a great point that I don't think, I mean, we, we think of the, in this example, we're talking about grandmothers, but you know, the grandfathers also, yes. you know, it, it was the, the people who were already maybe in what we'll call the dominant culture who actually were like, no, we don't agree with this. We think we also need to help be allies in this case, although yes. I don't think they were using that terminology <laughs> back in the day. Yes. Um, but I think that is important that, that there had to reach some tipping point where more people were in agreement that we couldn't just have one group that was in charge of everything, whether it's surfing or, you know, jobs or, you know, living space. So, Absolutely. Um, and I'm glad that you're celebrating who you are able to reach because, I think it, it can be hard. It can be hard when you're thinking, you know, my mission is to be so inclusive and why can't it come faster? Yes. And, it, and it's a process. It is.
1: No, it, it for sure is a process. Um, and I do also just want to touch on, you know, you said, it's not just the grandmothers, it's the grandfathers. And I do give um, a lot of credit, especially to the male population that I have seen really step up to help us um, in Maine and sort of, you know, looking at the male population in current times and thinking about all of the generational unlearning almost that they are also having to do to show up to be allies um, and to be supports in this um, in this time and in this system that we find ourselves in. And so. Um, I think that it really, you know, we can't make something this big happen on our own and we need support of like-minded folk, whether that be women, non-binary or men, like whoever, whoever wants to be involved, we, we welcome them as long as they are continuing to cultivate the safe space that we are hoping for and creating.
0: All right. I know you were the director of photography yes. and now you're the media director. Yes. And you said you've started to do some video work and some other media work. What types of exciting and interesting things are you doing right now for more women surf?
1: Um. So uh, along with shooting all of our surf lessons and clinics um, and just sort of doing the overarching documentary style photography for them. Um, We're also moving into a little bit of video work. And I don't want to reveal too much because I don't know how much I'm able to talk about, but um, some very exciting video things are currently in the works um, that I'm really excited about. And that's been a really big learning curve for me because as primarily a photographer, I've sort of always managed to Um, I guess avoid video is the correct way of saying it. And it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's just sort of um, this medium that's very close to photography, yet very, very different. And so it's a whole other um, genre and medium really. And so um, getting to be able to utilize uh, and further my video skills through the lens of More Women Surf has been um, really great. And I think I tend to operate um best when i'm in a space of oh i'm creating this work to share with someone whether i'm creating work for a client or you know making work with a friend as long as that work is going to be shared and i'm creating it for something larger than myself i think i tend to um perform best when it's that way so being able to do video work for more women surf and even just think about furthering those skills um it feels like a very safe entry point for me um just to be able to share that with the community of more women surf and being able to use my video work to further them feels really great.
0: And how about you as a, as an artist and as a professional, as a person, what, what exciting things are happening for you right now? Well, over the course of the last year, I have recently
1: fallen in love with tattooing. Um, and so that is something that I'm exploring that I never in a million years thought that I would be exploring. Um, I never considered myself, um, an illustrator, uh, or, a 2D artist aside from photography. And so that's been a really exciting journey thus far. I'm hoping that sometime this fall I'll be actually getting my um, tattoo certification and I'll be able to start, you know, tattooing people outside of a little, even just like my own studio space. Um, So that's been really, really exciting. Um, And in terms of photography, I've uh, basically decided that after a very long Season of wedding photography last year, I got very burnt out. And so this summer, I am dedicating to sort of falling back in love with photography. And so I've just been trying to take on just more passion projects that aren't even necessarily paid, but that bring me joy. And it feels very childlike. And it brings me back to high school when I would make all of my friends dress up and I would do their makeup and we'd go into the nearest field and just take pictures. Um, And so both of those things are very different, um, but exciting. And I'm just excited to be able to just explore and sort of dip my hands into a lot of different things this summer, um, creatively and yeah, I'm excited
0: about it. Well, I look forward to kind of hearing more about this additional future art, but also seeing what you end up doing with your photography as you kind of return back to that initial childlike feeling of joy. I think that is really important in photography in particular. I think you're right. It's like any, anything, it can become kind of too much of a, too much of a profession. You know, it's an art form. You're also, there's also craft associated with it, but when you can touch back to what brought you there in the first place, I think that can be really powerful. Absolutely. And I think, you
1: know, I told myself going into photography and especially when I went full-time, um, the summer of 2021, I was so busy and I told myself, I was like, I never want this to feel for sure. It can feel like work and that's fine, but I never want it to feel like a chore. Um, and I think towards the end of my last busy season, it definitely started feeling that way. And I had to, you know, take a good long, hard look at myself and say, okay, what needs to change? What needs to give? And I feel really blessed that I am able to, in my career, you know, make those alterations and make those edits. Um, And, you know, I feel very fortunate that that is what freelancing affords me. Um, So it's been very nice to be able to sort of reinvent myself as many times as I feel as though I need to in order to continue forward
0: in my creative journey. Well, I've enjoyed our conversation today. Yes, me as well. It's nice getting to know you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I've been speaking with Miranda Rico, who is the media director for More Women Surf. I encourage you to find out more about this um, really intriguing organization that's bringing more people to the lineup here in Maine. And I encourage you to maybe find out a little bit more about Miranda and the work that she's doing herself as an artist. This is uh, Radio Maine. You've been watching today with me, Dr. Lisa Belial, and also with Miranda Rico. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much.